Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to the Explaining History podcast and um, today I'm going to talk about um, prohibition in America in the 1920s and the uh, violence and gangsterism that goes with it. Um, the one of the reasons I'm going to want to talk about this isn't particularly because of a, a fascination uh, with you know guys with Tommy guns in violin cases or anything like that. Um, it's because there is something about prohibition that draws out this immense contradiction within American society and this immense debate over the uh, uh, role of the state, the idea of um, what freedom um, means in America, um, what the um, freedom to make personal choices really is all about. Um, in the USA and where the limitations of that lie and the idea that prohibition really is this um, in some ways a strange aberration um, but also part of a, a kind of a, a long and uh, conti- ongoing history um, of um, the control of um, public behaviours um, that can obviously be seen in other kinds of prohibition, uh, such as um, the war on drugs. The curious thing about prohibition is there seems to be lacking, really, uh, a sufficient body of opinion in America that's in favour of it, and though um, it lasts for 15 years. Now, in the run-up to the 18th Amendment in 1918 and the Volstead Act, uh, both of which... Um, Firstly, ban- the first, the 18th Amendment, bans the sale, transportation and manufacture of uh, alcohol within America. And the Volstead Act um, defines intoxicating liquor as an agent containing more than 0.5% alcohol um, the, and, and hands the uh, responsibility for enforcement over to the Treasury. Um, the the uh, forces behind the um, Volstead Act and the 18th Amendment with this curious coalition of of women's groups, women's suffrage groups who equated in many many cases with a great deal of accuracy 
um, alcoholism and the oppression of women. Uh, women were, and still are, far more likely to be the victims of domestic violence when alcohol is involved. Um, women who had you know, no social safety net beneath them um, and a drunken husband in tow um, were left uh, often um, destitute um, when the, the uh, week's wages are spent at a saloon bar. Now, this is to ignore the fact that alcoholism is obviously no respecter of gender, and uh, there were large numbers of uh, women alcoholics um, in America uh, as well. But normally, because of uh, social propriety and that kind of thing, there were disproportionately large numbers of working class, or kind of what you would call underclass women, uh, particularly from different um, uh, non-white ethnicities, who were uh, more likely to have problems with alcohol, and this were kind of marginalised, just as the with the suffrage, um, the suffrage movement in Great Britain. Um, the suffrage movement in America and the movements towards greater female emancipation was predominantly a well-to-do uh, and rather a virtuous um, middle-class um, uh, affair. Um, business, actually, uh, particularly the likes of Heinz, Rockefeller and Ford, um, saw drunkenness as leading to danger and inefficiency in the workplace. The growth of um, a of mass society and the growth of mass manufacturing industrialization in America, um, and the, um, the the newness of this uh, mass consumption society meant that old methods of social behaviour and social uh, interacting, which of course is always lubricated by alcohol. Um, became increasingly challenged. Um, there were, um, this is the era not of just Fordism, the production line, uh, but um, of Frederick Winslow Taylor, who was the first man to create a science out of what is now known as time and motion studies how efficiently an individual moves within the workplace between different parts of a production line or different parts of an office. And I mean, Lenin, actually, interestingly, was fascinated by the work of um, uh, F.W. Taylor and thought that it presented all sorts of interesting solutions to um, the uh, Soviet workplace and how we could really make people operate more like machines. Well, the hungover worker has doesn't really have much of a place in F.W. Taylor's world. And the evidence was that... Um, if Taylorist principles were followed to the letter, then profits would rise. Uh, and so uh, alcoholism was seen as a threat to profit. Uh, America, as the premier um, capitalist nation of the early 20th century, or I think most of the 20th century really, um, was a, a place whereby... The idea of uh, maximising returns, as is all, always kind of enshrined and encoded into capitalist societies, was um, a, a an, an article of almost secular faith in, in America. Um, so the hungover worker wasn't going to compete with that one. And the fact that America is a deeply religious society 
um, and that some kind of government moral intervention, a moral regulation or moral correction uh, was seen as necessary on behalf of religious groups who thought alcohol was the, the devil's work. Alcohol had been uh, an integral part of the, uh, the, the development of the West, the uh, taming of America between the 1860s and the 1900s. Um, it's been part of the kind of the unseemly side of frontier society. And as that world is swept away by the railroads and the railways, um, a, a more um, puritanical, um, more abstemious um, culture um, begins to uh, to develop. Um, so prohibition supporters were generally Protestant. Uh, they lived generally in the South and the West um, and generally voted Republican. Um, most of the opponents were likely to be urban, uh, of non-Northern European ethnic origin, um, Roman Catholic, or uh, and Democrat voting. And the prohibition movement develops really from the progressive era, this point in American history uh, from the 1890s through to the First World War, where um, social reform and a, uh, a taming of the kind of the wilder excesses of American capitalism, um, plus the um, end, seemingly endless success of American capital seem to present America with uh, a virtuous faith in all that seemed uh, reasonable and that the, uh, the belief that um, human endeavor and human logic uh, and science and rationality could solve uh, any problem and that uh, America was indeed um, a, a blessed and civilized society. Um, and the uh, progressive movement um, one of their articles of faith was that alcohol abuse was responsible for social problems that could be alleviated, indeed removed, uh, with the removal of alcohol. So by 1917, 27 states had already passed prohibition laws, and there were dry counties where alcohol was not allowed in several other states. Two factors um, actually have a huge impact uh, on the uh, prohibition um, movement and the first is obviously the First World War. Um, during the First World War, there is uh, an immense um, fillip, an immense sort of uh, boost for prohibition, because grain that was used uh, to make um, a whiskey is used uh, instead for food. So the the material materials for distilling alcohol um, aren't there. Um, it's not that they are that, there's, that there is uh, a total dearth of grain. It's just that um, the prohibition movement was able to make the argument that giving up alcohol was patriotic. Um, in 1917, the Lever Act uh, bans the use of grain in the manufacture of alcoholic drinks. Um, the many of the um, large brewers, um, such as, such as uh, Pabst and Lieber um, were German, even if you uh, look at American brewers now. I mean, the largest one is Anheuser-Busch, um, which, again, is uh, of, of German origin, uh, probably owned by uh, you know, all manner of uh, you know, global um, conglomerates now.
Um, their businesses had um, been uh, contributors to the National German American Alliance, um, which had been a keen supporter of German interests before the war, um, as uh, you know, German um, diasporas in America um, would have been keen to make positive connections between America and um, uh, the old country, um, as most other um, diaspora organisations did. Um, during the war, obviously, anti-German feeling runs very high, uh, not least because of acts of sabotage like the explosion at Black Tom Pier in New York uh, in 1917. Um, in, during the war, um, many people um, thought that a, a restrained behaviour, um, which involved less drinking, um, would be um, uh, you know, part of the war effort but also would give an indication that America was a serious country and that America in the post-war world, which would have to be completely reorganised, would be essentially a sober country um, and that um, young soldiers who were sent off to fight should A, not be supplied with alcohol and B, should not have to look back at American people um, on the home front um, behaving drunkenly. Um, and that they were away from home for the first time and would, you know, be tempted by sinful behaviours and, you know, a, a good example from home would, would help with all of that. Obviously, this is the kind of behaviour in action. Um, these are the kinds of attitudes that you'd find uh, among people who are already convinced. So people who are already on the kind of the, the religiously evangelical side of things. But it does suggest a certain kind of degree of naivety about um, about world affairs, hoping that your soldiers uh, don't fall into temptation when they go off to the trenches in France. Um, the biggest organisation involved in Prohibition was the Anti-Saloon League, um, which had a $5 million budget. But for all the Anti-Saloon League's efforts in putting pressure on congressmen uh, and indeed on the presidency, to um, enforce uh, anti-alcohol uh, uh, policies, um, it becomes virtually impossible. Um, America's got 18,700 miles of coastline and land border. Um, there are waters that are, uh, in the waters just outside national limits, um, smugglers essentially queue up um, to uh, land their ships um, often this is referred to as rum row. Um, smuggling is uh, so incredibly successful due to really a lack of resources to stop it um, that the officer in charge of prohibition enforcement um, guessed that agents only intercepted about 5% of the alcohol coming into the country illegally. In 1924, $40 million worth of alcohol was seized and the actual volume of business um, was thought to be $800 million, so uh, one of the best industries to be in. There were, in, even if you weren't catching uh, whiskey coming in from Canada or rum coming in from the Caribbean, um, they, there were um, professional chemists in a sort of uh, uh, a, a prefiguring of Breaking Bad who um, were still able to sell uh, medicinal alcohol um, but this is obviously open to abuse and that you would find um, uh, bootleggers who would go into business 
um, and they would produce and distribute illegal alcohol. Um, the most significant of these was George Remus, um, who bought up a, a range of different breweries, um, and he did that just before the Volstead Act was passed. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then once he had controlled these breweries, he made sure that he had 3,000 gangsters at his disposal to um, uh, make sure his products um, went to illegal stills. He would essentially hijack his own products, uh, send them to illegal stills in, in big cities, um, and give the impression that he, he was the one who'd been robbed. A more dangerous source of alcohol was industrial alcohol, so industrial ethanol. Um, in If... Uh, by accident, people can see methanol, they would go blind and then probably die. But industrial ethanol um, is extremely, extremely potent. Obviously, you know, you drink a glass of vodka and what you have essentially is ethanol and water uh, and some other flavorings or what have you. Um, but industrial alcohol um, was easily stolen uh, from uh, industrial processes or diverted away. Um, and it was made tinted moonshine, referred to uh, because often it was manufactured in the hills, um, um, in rural areas, um, under cover of darkness. That's where the term comes from. Um, the um, danger for drinkers, obviously, was alcohol poisoning. Um, and there were, one of the reasons for the creation of the modern cocktail was to try to use fruit juices various to disguise the smell of this potent stuff. Um, one of the uh, more common forms of uh, moonshine was wood alcohol, um, and that we were more likely than not to accidentally make methanol, which would kill you. Um, Treasury agents found it very difficult to enforce prohibition. There were 3,000 of them who were employed to do so. They were poorly paid, so they were on average salary of around $2,500. And, and they were tasked with the job of closing down a business that turned over $2 billion a year. 
So they're easily corrupted. Um, they, um, there were federal agents who, on the side, became essentially millionaires by licensing, um, uh, licensing uh, certain establishments and um, ensuring that um, certain gangsters um, knew that they would always look the other way. The um, dry lobby amongst the prohibition uh, supporters um, was extremely well organised, but again lacked the ability to practically enforce um, the policies that they had campaigned for. Um, the Anti-Saloon League is actually quite divided. Some members wanted uh, ever stricter enforcement laws with longer jail sentences and heavier punishments. Um, others thought that the League itself should be given power over the appointment of um, federal agents to prosecute um, bootleggers. But the uh, more progressive side thought that surely the only way that you can bring about change is instead of punishing endlessly is to focus on education and trying to bring, uh, help people to avoid drinking in the first place. Um, Congress perhaps didn't do very much to enforce prohibition because it didn't want to uh, get on the nerves of um, rich voters who they knew were busy breaking prohibition laws anyway. There was um, a period whereby um, federal government, uh, federal government's role um, reduced and the uh, post Wilsonian era, where um, big government, um, as it periodically does in America, comes under intense attack, and the idea that um, the state um, is as is overfunded and overstaffed becomes quite quite prevalent in uh, American discourse. The apparent uh, popularity of speakeasies, these hidden uh, drinking dens. Um, was evidence enough to congressmen that Americans liked to have a drink um, and prohibition was unenforceable. But this is really an elephant, the elephant in the room, something that wasn't um, uh, allowed to really be articulated. Um, and obviously the huge upsurge in gangsterism and crime after a $2 billion a year trade is put in the hands of criminals um, uh, leads to uh, an immense amount of um, violence um, and uh, the ability of um, then of uh, gangsters to um, flourish um, in terms of their businesses and diversify and put fun, uh, finances into different things uh, such as prostitution and later um, heroin. Of course, um, gangsters do what every um, capitalist really hopes to do and establishes a monopoly. The uh, Al Capone, in his various writings, when he's interviewed, um, he says, "Oh, you know, I'm a patriot. I'm a, an American who um, does what America's all about. I'm a businessman, and America is all about business and the making of money. And so, uh, I I should be seen as a national treasure." Um, the monopolies that were created in places like uh, Chicago and Cicero, uh, in um, New Jersey and New York, um, were violently defended. Um, so, for example, 
Johnny Torrio um, was one of the most uh, successful crime lords in Chicago um, and had managed to amass something like about $13 million by the time he retired and handed over to Al Capone in 1925. Al Capone, obviously the most notorious of the gangsters of that period, um, not only combines his uh, empire and expands it and develops it into a nationwide outfit, but becomes also his, his ego results in him becoming a kind of a celebrated figure, so as much as the Cray twins did in the 1960s in, in Great Britain, he became a, a, a media star and he saw himself as you know a figure of free enterprise. Um, and he thought that um, he was doing very little wrong. He's a Republican um, and was, um, in a way, he, the Republicans, by uh, favouring Prohibition, had actually made Al Capone the man who he was. Um, obviously, he is caught, um, jailed in 1932 for income tax evasion, um, but had uh, done about managed to sort of amass about seventy million dollars uh, in the end. Um, he he said that well you know I never forced anyone to have a drink or um, have one you know uh, sleep with one of my prostitutes. Um, this is all perfectly voluntary and people are free to choose these sorts of things. It just happens to make me awfully rich. The fact that Al Capone had had large numbers of people killed in order to build his empire, I suppose, was rather here nor there. Johnny Torrio had been a gangster of a kind of an earlier era, one who had um, used violence from time to time, but mainly um, had uh, negotiated um, with um, his, his enemies, the, the Irish gangsters, the Urbanians, in New York, in um, Chicago. Um, and the development that really caused all sorts, sorts of problems um, was, was when Chicago acquires uh, an, an honest police chief who um, prosecuted gangsters and managed to um, prevent bootleggers from making much of a profit. Um, these financial pressures meant that gangsters, in order to maintain a certain standard of living, had to move into each other's territories. There now was a smaller cake for everyone to have a slice of. They, um, seeking to maximise their profits, um, they uh, result, They led to um, a, a period in Chicago history of about five years where 300 murders are committed. Um, and Chicago, in, in Chicago and Cicero uh, next door, uh, Al Capone builds up a force of about 700 enforcers and spies so there was really, um, he, he really was the, um, the de facto ruler of, of Chicago. Um, uh, the, his most out, outrageous and audacious and uh, murderous act was uh, on Valentine's Day of 1929, when five of his men, who addressed as policemen, arrested several, seven members of Bugs Moran's gang and shot them. Um, it became the infamous... St. Valentine's Day Massacre. In the three years from 1927 to 1930, there were 227 gangland killings in Chicago, um, and only two killers were ever convicted. Um, prohibition um, doesn't exactly create organised crime, uh, but it certainly gives organised crime a massive amount of power and energy. And when organised crime, when prohibition ends, 
organised crime doesn't go away. It simply diversifies into new areas because it has had a decade or 15 years of the most extraordinary training in how to build criminal enterprises and criminal empires. And the um, uh, new areas to move into were gambling uh, and later prostitution and later drugs. And so um, the modern mafia, as we understand it, if you watch things like Goodfellas and um, Casino, the modern mafia start out um, with uh, in the era of Al Capone, um, and Prohibition taught them everything they knew. By that, it's important to remember that uh, Italian-American gangsters make up just a slice of the whole picture. There were Irish gangsters, Dutch gangsters, Jewish gangsters... Um, and uh, African-American gangsters, to name a few. So it's not really, and despite what you might think and see in Scorsese films, it's not really an exclusively Italian or Sicilian game. And if we're talking about criminals, you have to remember that uh, a large chunk of the population who had a drink secretly anyway were criminalised by the law. I mean, criminality really exists where the, the, kind of the, the law says it does by uh, expanding things that are categories of things we, we deem to be criminal or subversive. Alcohol consumption fell from 2.6 gallons per person per year uh, to one, uh, in 1917 to one gallon by 1933. Uh, arrests for drunkenness um, fell. Uh, deaths from alcoholism fell. There were a few drink drivers. Uh, the roads were safer. Um, and the massive expansion of motor transport um, meant that this was obviously a, a significant uh, a significant factor. There were, there were many, many more roads than cars. Um, there were uh, fewer accidents in the workplace, um, you know, when we talk about um, Taylorism and all that. And so, um, whilst prohibition can be seen as, as a kind of like a failed experiment, there were elements that were positive to removing alcohol from society. Um, Hoover sets up the Wickersham a commission in 1929 to investigate whether prohibition has been um, effective. And it comes about 14 um, volumes later and 19 months later uh, and says that it's unenforceable uh, and a total waste of time. Um, it says basically um, that citizens violated the Act all the time, the Bolstead Act all the time, uh, and that um, bootleggers and distributors um, were becoming extremely rich. Um, and it's thought that it took up 66% of all law enforcement activities um, and the uh, and it was a massive drain on the law enforcement budget. Um, but the members of the uh, Wickersham Commission couldn't quite agree and couldn't quite eventually say to uh, Hoover that the law should be axed. So it was eventually Roosevelt that drops the axe in um, 1933 and creates the 20th Amendment. And the 20th Amendment said it was the responsibility of individuals to state states to decide on the issue. And so it was a way of the federal government, A, cutting its own power, but B, also saying, oh, you know, I'll shunt the problem onto the states. States are constantly demanding that they want more, uh, more of their own powers back from federal government. Well, this a headache of a problem means that they can have them. Um, okay, so this has gone on way too long, um, so I'm going to end it there. I hope you found that really useful, um, especially if you're studying this. 
Um, if you can, get on to our iTunes page, the Explaining History thing on iTunes. Give us a review, preferably a good one. Um, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. We'll try if we can uh, do a couple of reviews later on today. All the best. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.